0: Welcome to the KPB Podcast. This is your host, Ethan Gavon, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Keep Playing Baseball is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping every high school baseball player navigate the recruiting process and play college baseball. At KPB, we don't think money should dictate who has the opportunity to play college baseball or who gets to make informed decisions throughout the college baseball recruiting process and all our resources, including this podcast, are 100% free. No signups, no fees, no strings attached. We use the KPB podcast in many different ways, but the main point is to get you the information you need to keep playing baseball. We appreciate you tuning in to the KPB podcast, the best source of recruiting information on the go. We are excited to welcome Coach Darren Seiler to the podcast today. Coach Seiler is the head baseball coach at the John Carroll School in Bel Air, Maryland, where he's led his alma mater's baseball program since 2016. The 2018 John Stedman High School Baseball Coach of the Year and Maryland State Association Baseball Coach of the Year brings a wealth of baseball knowledge and experience to the podcast. Coach Seiler has played and coached baseball all over the world. He's coached extensively in Europe, where he served as the Portuguese national team assistant coach and academy development coach. While in Europe, he also coached several club teams to European Cup qualifiers and international tournaments in Belgium, France, Czech Republic, Spain, Germany, and Italy. Most recently, he traveled to Cuba, Dominican Republic, Japan, and Italy for coaching stints. Stay tuned as we pick his brain about sending players to the college level, how his international experience influences running a title-contending program, and mix in some funny international baseball stories. Darren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: Well, thank you for having me, man. It's really a pleasure to be here and get to talk to my good buddy.
0: Yeah, we've had uh, we've had some good good baseball times together. It all started in Belgium where we first met and where we both played after school. Um, I want to start there. I want to talk a little bit about your international travels and experience coaching abroad. And I want to use a little icebreaker. Like my, my memory, one of my fond memories of Belgium, just kind of like a funny international baseball story is, is the umpire who had one eye
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um,
0: which is like something you joke about. Right. But he legitimately had one eye. Um, What's
1: was a legend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One eye and would come out to the mound and check the baseballs and say, uh, these baseballs turn into dices, right. Meaning like die, like, like cubes when they get hit so hard, which I don't know if that was an attack on my pitching or, or what, but you know, tell us you you've traveled all over cuba dominican republic japan all throughout europe coaching playing baseball yeah uh, tell us a good story man what what do you got for us
1: that's a, okay great um well i as you know baseball is this really wonderful sport where it it kind of adapts in certain ways depending on where you are and every place you go and every time that you're you're in a baseball environment it has a sort of certain flavor to it from wherever you are and uh good story um so a funny story i'm speaking of belgium we'll stay in belgium um i remember there's an umpire i don't remember his name but i think he was from curacao or, or venezuela but he um He spoke Spanish and Flemish and would always, there were a number of passport players in Belgium and many of them were Venezuelan or Dominican um, Latin speakers. And um, he would speak to them in Spanish and sort of taunt them as he was umpiring and would ring them up on pitches and then sort of kick dirt at them as they were going back to the (laughs) It was really like naked gun, um, weird spoof, uh, that was actually happening in games. That was pretty funny. I also remember coaching a part of playing in Belgium was also that you would coach so the reserve team or the younger mm-hmm. team, or the cadets or whatever, um, which was great. Uh, and I loved all of it. Shout out to all of our friends in Merktum. Yep. Uh, the cats. The cats, yeah. Um, but uh, I remember in one of the games, I think it was a reserve game or maybe a cadet game the third division game of some kind. Um, that's what my memory tells me, but uh, the, the person at the plate ran instead of running the first, ran the third base was going around the bases in the wrong direction, which was pretty amusing. Um,
0: <laughs> Were they but, safe? <laughs> <laughs> did they make it the first I, before the ball
1: did? I No, they did not, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but that was, that was pretty good. Um, but there's all kinds of, you know, just, moments, um, or stories. And I think probably relationships are something that I remember the most of my international travels, getting to meet people from different places and learn about who they are and, you know, what their, what their stories are and, and, um, their relationship to the game. So yeah, I feel really lucky that I've been able to, to do that. Um, uh, I guess those are probably the funniest stories. There's plenty of other, just sort of like, keep me in awe kinds of stories. I mean, going to Japan is in itself its own sort of mystical experience when you, Mm -hmm. you know, we're used to coaching, you know, you coach at a youth level and it's you know organized chaos. And sometimes you feel like you're herding cats. Um, and, um, you go to a Japanese field of 13 year olds and it's, their bags are lined up and everything is orderly and neat and very scripted. Um, in a totally different world. Um, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, spit on the field because it's disrespectful, which it's like a very different way of looking at, at things. So, um, gives you perspective for sure. Um, but I, those are a couple that come to my mind. I'm not sure if they were all that compelling, but
0: uh, yeah, no, it's no, it's great. You know, they say you show up every day and you see something you've never seen before on the baseball field. It's like
1: a hundred percent true.
0: And the international scene can take that to a different level because of, like you said, there's different interpretations of the way the game is supposed to be played. The cultural influence of how the game is, is played just makes such a, such a big difference. And then obviously learning how to play baseball is really difficult. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of things that don't necessarily make sense. And hey, good luck. Go out, go out there and play right so um very cool i, I want to ask you like how does your international coaching and experiences playing abroad like how does that color the way that you are coaching your team at at the john carroll school which is a private catholic school in bella Bel air maryland
1: that's that's a really that's a really good question um so I, I suppose that all of those experiences or those causes and conditions bring a certain worldview, um, to how I coach the boys, probably the biggest thing for me is the way that the focus of sort of the X's and O's and the technical side of things has become much less versus some of the things that you learn abroad and, and the relationships and the connecting to people. I mean, I think early on, and um, I was very much more concerned with X's and O's, like with the strategy and how we're going to win this game. Um, but you very quickly learn that players are really only going to buy into what you're doing X's and O's wise if they feel like that you care for them mm-hmm. and you establish those relationships. And um because in, in many places in Europe, it's you know these are this is every player works and this is just what they do for fun. And so right. um to come out to the field and have someone sort of field generaling and telling them this is how we're gonna do stuff versus trying to get to know them and understand you know their story. And I'm an outsider coming into their space and so that was a humbling experience that you know this is way more meaningful than just baseball. This is a community center. This is a an after-school program. This is a you know uh, a place that you go after before the chemists, or whatever it is. Uh mm-hmm. so um I think you know, obviously you have a technical side of the game that you're teaching, but really the emphasis on the, the relationship part and the connecting with people part. Um and I think gratitude would be the other thing and just how lucky we are to have the things that we have and to try and impart on the players, not to take that stuff for granted, because there are lots of people that have way less mm-hmm. um, and um, let's not use that as an excuse to not do what we need to do to, to have a program that we say we want to have. Right. So let's, let's live that out and be grateful for what we do have. And um, I guess those are the, the sort of the main things that that my experience of being abroad has, has um sort of colored the way that I look at the game or the way I try to impart the game to to my players, if that makes sense. I don't know if that was yeah, a good answer, but
0: no. No, definitely. And you know, we've in having these conversations with different high school coaches, something that's come up quite a bit. Is this idea of I don't want to say protecting the game, but being a steward of the game and teaching mm-hmm. the game the right way to the next generation of ball players. I've had
1: yeah, both yeah.
0: both coaches I've I've spoken to before you have mentioned this idea and how yeah. to how to kind of protect the game and teach mm-hmm. players how to respect the game and do it right. Um yeah, that's a so great point. Just interested to hear your take on that and do you view yourself in that role or
1: so i i I had not prior to you saying anything about stewardship viewed myself in that way but i i identify it it resonates when you say that right um you know on the one hand because you you can witness on the baseball field i have i'm sure you have um some of it gets out of control when you're and you think to yourself you know what are we doing here you know what kind of example are we setting by acting in certain ways that are unbecoming of of young men um some of the behavior is appalling and you know to, to carry over the conversation about culture and about relationships and mentoring them and um you know, keepers of the game i th- i view the game of baseball as a really I mean, I think all coaches probably on some level do and view it maybe a little differently, but you know, it's about teaching them life lessons. Right. And so, um, being a steward in that way is about coaching them up for life. And, you know, relationships are important. Gratitude Mm -hmm. and humility are important. And, you know, you go out and do the best that you can. Um, and it doesn't matter what anybody else does or anybody says, or, um, how anyone else acts this is our expectation is that we act a certain way and we treat each other a certain way. Um, at a you know a Catholic school, especially, that's um, part of the mission that we're trying to, to live out as well. And that's an additional element to what we do at John Carroll. Um, but also in terms of the X's and O's sides of things, there are, are things that, that I see as a high school coach that either because the summer teams, don't, don't really practice because they're just going and playing games. Mm -hmm. And so they don't get to teach certain things because they don't spend as much time working on them in a practice setting. Uh, Base running being one of the biggest ones that I see is, is just really not, not executed at a a high level for a lot of younger kids. I mean, nobody practices base running stuff or talks about it much Mm -hmm. in my experience. Um, so on, on the technical side as well, trying to teach, um, certain things about the game that maybe are over overlooked in sort of a more showcase setting when it's all about individual performance versus having a team strategy. Um, and also, you know, like teaching competition is something that I feel like I have to do more, um, teaching them to compete, um, and and what that means and how, how they need to approach, you know, mentally what that means and physically, um,
0: Wow. What are some of the things that you do to, to teach that? Cause as we kind of shift this conversation towards recruiting and playing at the next level, mm-hmm. you know, some of these things that you mentioned that aren't happening in the showcase setting or at a level that's necessary or even expected by college coaches, right. Base running being one of them, sure. um, you know, being able to compete, you're going to be in a highly competitive environment, mm-hmm. um, almost a work-like environment where it can be pretty cutthroat. So, you yeah. know, how are you, how are you teaching, especially on the competition side? Like, what does that look like at your practices in your program?
1: Yeah. So, so, um, um, a phrase that we use is me- measurement equals motivation. So we try to get as much information as we can to show the boys exactly where they stand. Right. Um, so uh, and we also give them situations and try to make it as game like as possible and then let them compete against each other in those things. A, an example that comes to mind is actually something that you and I have talked about before and I kind of stole from you a little bit, which is the double treble game that we play. It's it's oftentimes either a warm up thing that we'll do after, like, you know, a dynamic stretch and get their bodies you know, moving a little bit. And then we'll mm-hmm. say, OK, we're going to start off today with a game of double trouble. Uh, or we'll modify it and say double, double trouble where there's a man on first trying to go either to third or home and you're trying to get the second base. And um, so uh, we'll set So date. break
0: that, break down more specifically what double trouble is. So everyone out there listening understands, knows so, knows what we're talking about.
1: And it's, in its simplest form, uh, it basically is you have either somebody given flips or off a tee at the plate and they hit and they are running out a double no matter what right? And if it's a ground ball, we tell the infielders to let it go. So it gets into the outfield. Uh, And then what I'll do is I'll set up a cone, usually about two thirds of the way between first and second base, because sometimes, you know, the the hit is directly at an outfielder and the ball is sitting at second base waiting, but the runner still has to go past that cone in order to then maybe try to go back to first base and get caught in a rundown or something. So I'll give them that constraint as a runner. And so you have to go past this cone before you can turn around And it also kind of implicitly helps our person at second base to learn not to just stand there with the ball, but to close down the gap. So maybe they can even beat them to that gap and just get the easy out. Right. Yeah. Um, So we're building in these competitive, um, you know, sort of double trouble being one of them where, you know, ball hit off the or from flips. And you can also, you know, the great thing about that is you can modify like, okay, defense, like outfielders i want you on the infield grass area or field and so they really have to go back on the baseball and so now you're trying to have the hitters are trying to elevate a little bit and you're trying to like um you know have them backing each other up and working on cuts or relays and um, you can basically set it up however you want and then you can award points for you know like will time point of contact to when they touch first base or point of contact when they slide in second base or Sometimes you will take away the cone and say, "Okay, we are sliding into second base. Don't co- guys on second base, wait, wait for them to slide." And we're trying to work on like swim slides and avoiding tags and those kinds of things. And just make it fun and have them compete. And then we have a chart, and then we can mark down what we, the, the information that we get. Mm-hmm. And we can use that information to have conversations with players. Say, "Look, you, these are the things that you're doing." And you know, double trouble. You, the conversation obviously is different than if you're having it on you know, competitive bullpens where we're setting up, you know, double barrel bullpens where they're like basically playing a modified game of horse, but with pitches, right. And they're right. competing each other on that. Like, did you execute or not? You know, it's, it's a, a yes or no. It's, it's easily recorded and it's an easy conversation to say, look, you, we talk about 60% strike percentage and we're hitting your spots, whatever, whatever the goal is. And, and you're either you're meeting it or not. And how do we, how do we work on that to get better? Right. Right. You know? like this is the room that you have for growth which is a positive right
0: yeah and and competition speaking of competition you run a very competitive program you guys have had success you've moved players on to the college level how as a high school coach how has the recruiting process for you changed over the last couple years have you seen a shift in the And the opportunities available to players because of COVID or the way that college coaches are going about the actual recruiting.
1: Um, So for me, the changes that I have seen are primarily that it is a much more competitive, I guess, market. Mm -hmm. Um, Opportunities seem like they are more scant because there is such a, the, the transfer portal is flush with players there's more eligibility around. Um, it is a lot. It seems to me, in my opinion, that it's tougher for my guys to find a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's probably the biggest change that I've seen. Um,
0: and, and what is your, what do you see as your role in, in helping these guys make it to the next level? What, you know, what level of involvement are, are you having in their, in their actual recruiting process?
1: Well, um, I would say that, that I view my role as a sort of a guide or a mentor and I help them to try to discover what is it that they are looking for. So, you know, my job as a coach, as I see it, isn't to do things for them, but to allow them the opportunity to explore options. And then I can help guide them in a direction because I also, you know, I, I may know that like, you know, you, you may not want to look at that school because you've said that you don't want to go to, and you know, an urban setting. You want to stay more rural, and that's like in the middle of D.C., buddy. So, you know, yeah. you rethink really that. So, you know, having conversations again, it's about that connection and relationship. Like knowing what they want at least right now, because that's going to change too, and that's okay. And letting them know that they are evolving, and their opinions will change as they grow, and to check back in with them as they continue on their journey and their process Um, so trying to individually meet with them to talk about what it is that they want you know we have a, a like a checklist that i give them every year for them to go through things they should be asking themselves like you know we have chalk talks in the fall and i'll say okay you know your homework for this chalk talk is sometime this week at dinner after dinner sit down with your parents and go to this list and say like, what is it that we want? What is it that I want um, as a player looking at potentially playing in a school and, you know, having those conversations and having that kind of mentoring role is, is primarily uh, where I see how I fit in that process. Um, Coordinating with our college counselors and having those conversations real, you know, like, really most of the recruiting that happens probably in our area happens over the summer.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so when I speak with a college coach, that college coach usually isn't calling me about their baseball acumen. Um, they, they've, they've seen them play over the summer. So they're usually calling me about what's their GPA. Um, how's their work ethic? Um, what kind of teammate are they? Um, and those are the kinds of conversations I'm having with college coaches. It's rarely about, I mean, they'll ask me like, oh, hey, how they do this spring. Right. But, um, usually it's about those other non-field related, um, characteristics or qualities that they're asking me about. So, you know, giving feedback on all those things. Um, the intangibles. Yeah. Right. I mean again because in summer baseball and I'm not knocking on summer baseball I don't want this to sound like I'm, I'm knocking on summer I think summer baseball is fantastic and empowers the young men to like you know focus on on themselves in ways that like you know more team oriented that I'm not saying that summer baseball is not team oriented either that probably came out wrong but um it's a different animal it just is yeah right? it's different because, because you know a player can go you guys can lose all weekend but like Hey, the coach that I've been talking to came and saw me and I went two for three. So I, whatever, who cares? We lost. So what, I'm not worried about it. This doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, every game matters for us in the high school season and has a, uh, a, a, a an element of, I don't want to say stress, but th- you know, there's like games matter,
0: right? Pressure, we,
1: yeah. We can't, we can't afford to just take the foot off the pedal and, and coast and assume that like, because, I went two for three today. That, you know, tomorrow's big game doesn't matter. It does, um, and so college coaches, I this is, you know, the, the my assumption in the conversations that I've had are looking at those intangibles because it, my environment at a high school is is I think more close more closely related to what they do at the college level than than a summer program where you're just going and playing at a showcase or. Um, you know, in tournaments that, that you know, there's, there's no championship that you're going for or your school pride or those kinds of things. So, right. And um, hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm, I'm speaking negative about summer baseball. I have lots of my friends that do it and I think it's great. I'm, not my intention at all. It's just different.
0: No, I think, I think it's fair to call a spade a spade, right? It's a, it's a different brand of baseball. And especially when you consider things like, you know baseball for me one of the things that makes baseball great is there's no time limit right you have to you have to collect the 21 or 27 outs yes. depending on what level you're playing at and when you're playing with it can't start a new inning after an hour and 45 minutes that that changes the game right that that yes. ma- for me or my impression is that makes it a little different type of a ball game and then when you have a collection of players coming from different places and different programs and, and not getting the opportunity to practice. And I'm not saying that every summer team doesn't practice, but, you know, in high school, you practice every single day from, what? you know, in California, it's February through May. That's, right. um, that's a different environment and mm-hmm. there's different objectives and different opportunities, good and bad. So uh,
1: also. I think- And also, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys, at least in my situation here in Maryland, is they're coming from a a team where they play in the summer where there's, you know, 12 or 15 kids on it. Mm
0: -hmm. And my roster
1: has 25 players on it for high school. So, again, that competition is really heated. I mean, there's 25 roster spots and there's only nine that are on the field at one time. So, the level of competition is, I mean, it, it it's awesome to see because they go out and get after it. Um, but that, that can be a, a very different experience for somebody that's coming from a team where it's like, well, there's 12 players and I always play and I'm used to playing. To now, how do I still contribute to the team even if I'm not on my preferred position on the field or I'm not in the game at all? right? What is my role and how do I help my team win? And what is it that I'm doing to get better or to help my team win? Right. So um, a lot of lessons to be learned in that way too.
0: Yeah. Do you see any, you know, we're we're kind of talking around the edge of this idea, but what do you see out of your players that go and play at the next level? What's, what's the main difference? What are the, the characteristics that you see in all of these players that are making it to college baseball.
1: Um, Taking the, taking the work seriously. And I don't, and I don't want to like take out the fun part of it because you can have, you know, serious play as well, but the, the, the the kids that actually go and they work and they, they, um, they want to get better. they, are not satisfied with where they are today. Um, It's almost like they have double vision. They've got their eyes on what am I doing right now? And they've also got, where do I want to go? Both things in focus, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And from from a, a personality perspective, like guys that just want to compete, again, it goes back to this competing thing. They want the baseball. They want to be the guy in the situation that wants to drive in the run or strike the kid out with the bases loaded. Um, they are hungry. Uh, they play the game with their hearts on fire. They look you in the eye and have confidence, but are, are, are not cocky. Right? Uh, they're kind and serve their teammates um by you know being the first one to show up and the last one to leave um i mean it like being present being grateful and working hard are characteristics that will take you a long way and most college coaches want to see those characteristics in players that they're going to try and you know especially if they're going to give them money because you know, they don't have unlimited resources. And if they're going to give them a scholarship, that's a lot. It's a big deal, right? Even to get a preferred walk-on spot is a really big deal. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. You get to play college baseball. It's not many people that get to do that. So um, typically the guys that go on and play at the next level, especially in competitive programs, they, they're they like fire-breathing dragons. They, they have a mission and they attack it. And they don't make excuses or take days off um not to say that there aren't times when you need a break i'm not saying that but right right uh, they're hungry they have a they have a a fire in them that they want to they're not satisfied with where they are and they want to get better and they want to help help their teammates get better as well and they want to compete
0: need more fire breathing dragons on the recruiting (laughs) trail is what we need (laughs) i love that love that yeah. Um if people you no,
1: gonna be like this guy is insane <laughs> no no
0: it's all it's all really good stuff i mean you're you're hitting the nail on the head yeah. um and do you think it's you know you I want to go back to something you said earlier you said that you feel like high school baseball more closely aligns with college baseball and the team respect and just the way that the the game is played so you know, it's a little ironic that a lot of the recruiting happens in this other setting that's Mm -hmm. away from that. So as a high school coach, is there anything you would wish to change about the recruiting process? Like if you could, we're talking about dragons, let's talk, talk about magic wands, right? If you had a magic wand and you could change some things about the way the recruiting process works from the perspective of a high school baseball coach, what would, what would you change?
1: Oh man. Uh, if I had a magic wand, there'd be a lot of things that I'd want to change in this area specifically, I suppose, uh, I would, I would suppose that we, that we elongate the summer uh, or the spring season into summer or have more opportunities for high school teams to continue their season. Mm-hmm. to get in front of the coaches because our season, I mean, the reason that summer baseball is get more recruiting out of it is because typically, unless there's a local school in our area, they're, they're in season, right? I mean, those colleges are all playing at the same time that we're playing. Um, and that becomes a challenge for college coaches to get out and see, you know, a, a lot of high school baseball games. Now we see, plenty of college coaches or scouts even at our games. Um, but I, if I had a magic wand, I would say allow opportunities for high school seasons to go longer into the summer. I know certain states have their high school seasons actually do that. So I'd like to you know, maybe even find out more about like, how do they, you know, what does that look like for them and how does that work? And um, I also, I mean, I feel like a lot of high school associations are, are just, this is the way we've done it. This is the way it has always been done. Um, you know, there is an element of that in, in, in baseball, uh, as well. Right. So, um, my magic wand would be to let the fire eating dragons, fire breathing dragons, uh, (laughs) go a little bit longer. Uh,
0: yeah. And that would probably be helpful just given the weather that you guys deal with a lot of times that in your season as well.
1: Yeah. Spring in Maryland is a, is a funny monster itself. So, so uh, definitely nicer weather, even in the fall. I mean, you know, we have like weather right now is, is perfect baseball weather. Um, sometimes you go out and, you know, end of February, early March, a practice or even early games, <laughs> It's like you know, 38 degrees, light right. wind. Um, so.
0: Yeah. So, Hey, there's a lot of reasons why that happens during the summer. Right. So let's change some of those reasons.
1: Yeah. I just think it would be interesting for, um, uh, for, for high schools to continue to do that. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a reason why it's not. Maybe I haven't thought enough of it through and that's why, you know, maybe this is a, a, a non-starter, but, you know, for me, selfishly, I also enjoy spending time with my guys. So like getting to be able to be around them all summer, would be even, you know, even better, you know, getting to coach them up and, um, you know, that would be, that would be cool. So.
0: Yeah. Um, just a few more questions because you're a recently a new father and are busy and that nap is not going to last for, forever. Um, sure. when you have a player with unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. about where they're able to play at the next level, how, how do you, how do you deal with that? whether it's a parent that has unrealistic expectations of their player or a player who says, Hey, I want to play here. And you look at them and you say, you know what, that's, it's just not a fit. How do you deal with that?
1: Uh, that is always a tough conversation, but I think so you always start from a place of love, you know, at, at the, the core of the conversation, you make sure that you, you say, look, I, we're having this discussion because I care about you. And because I'm trying to help you on your journey and I, you know, being open and honest and forthright with your guys and also yourself showing vulnerability and in, in, I'm, I'm trying to connect with you and I'm, I'm having a real moment here with you. This is, this is important um, because I care. And You know, we're going to have sometimes disagreements about where you think you are versus where I see you. That doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong. It just means I'm trying to help you on your journey and um, give you some feedback that can help you as you're navigating and making decisions that are life altering potentially. I mean, you're you're, some places going to pay 70 some thousand dollars a year to go to school to maybe not play baseball. So. Um, so I think as long as you have those conversations with an open heart and really stress that this is about, uh, you know, helping them, um, usually makes it an easier conversation. It doesn't make it an easy conversation, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think everybody at their, core wants to be told the truth and wants to wants to feel like they have people that are that are in their corner and care about them and so as a coach if you can you can be that person and say look I I care about you I'm here behind you I support you I'm going to do everything in my power to help you achieve your goals realize your dreams and, and go play baseball at the next level but also I think these are conversations that we need to have to sort of redefine where we want to go and let's not take that school off of the list altogether, but maybe we change that into a reach school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately bringing a sense of compassion, and vulnerability to the conversation will help that conversation evolve into something that's productive for the player. Um, and, Quite honestly, most of the time those conversations are had with the player. Um, My my interactions with parents in the recruiting process is is usually minimal until there's a little bit later on um, some decisions that are sort of being made. Um, I I really try to help empower the kid to make those initial sort of forays into what do I want? Mm-hmm. is my part of, of my journey here or my path? And what is that going to look like for me? Um, so, you know, being willing and open and available to have those conversations with your, with your players, I think is important. And just going with an open heart. Love it. Pony as that might sound, it's true. You
0: know? No, I mean, I, I think if there's, you know, every time you and I talk, yeah. I always pull something away that I wish I could do better just from the way that you describe things and relationships with players. And, you know, every coach has, can get better at what they do. So I, you know, I, I listen to you talk and I, I think about myself and I think, man, I'm not doing that well enough or, mm-hmm. so it's good. It's a good way to change the perspective and, and hear, sure. hear what works because you have a track record of, of moving these guys to the next level and helping them, and and beyond that, you know, building successful members of society, which you know we already talked about, is is one of your primary goals. Is hey, let's use baseball as a learning tool. So, um,
1: well, that's extraordinarily, that's extraordinarily generous for you to say, man. So thank you. But I I learn from you every time we talk too. So I appreciate always <laughs> appreciate. The edifying conversation, my friend.
0: That's why the podcast should, you should listen to this podcast because it's just, <laughs> Hey, yeah. two, two people who love baseball talking about their perspectives and trying to help people. And yeah, that's what it's all about. So, Hey, listen to this episode and all the others, and you'll probably <laughs> learn some really cool stuff, whether you're a recruit parent coach, um, it's good, good baseball banter, you know? One-eyed wow. umpires, fire-breathing dragons, magic wands, and, <laughs> That's and caring right. for players.
1: That's um, and I, the stuff that you do for for the resources that you put on your website and the amount that you do to help um, families sort of uh, you know, demystify or decode the, the recruiting process is really incredible. And I tell everybody and anybody that I that I can that, that you're, the stuff that you guys do uh, at KPB is just awesome. So thank you for being somebody that's putting good information out there and not charging a premium for it and uh, doing good for those that, uh, that, I mean, cause if you've never been through it before, it's a, it's a, it's a hard. Yeah, it really. is. So,
0: yeah, well, I appreciate that, but I'm not letting you leave this podcast just yet. I've got one more question. This is your opportunity to get your okay. best information out there. So we call this the mic drop. This is your, Opportunity to just mic drop your way off the podcast. So you can leave us with any any closing thoughts you want, advice for high school players, um, how you want the the game or yourself to be remembered, how you what you want players, you know, anything. It's your it's your open mic to just walk it off.
1: I can I can I can just wax poetic here. That's a dangerous thing to do as somebody that likes to talk. Um, so I think I, look, uh, baseball is the best sport there is. It, it is um, an incredible teacher. Um, it is because of this game that I have met some of the best friends that I have, not just in America, but all over the world, meeting some incredible people. It is um, so great at teaching us about um, life, Um, So, you know, I guess the message that I would have for players is to bring enthusiasm, bring your authentic self to every moment that you have an opportunity to play the game and to be with your friends and to make those relationships be open and vulnerable to to fail and fall flat on your face and know that there are people there that are going to help pick you up and dust you off and be behind you and say, go get them. Um, Don't take any of that for granted. Um, Because as you get caught up in the whirlwind of the rankings and the the numbers and the commitment possibilities, and the what is that kid doing or that program doing that I'm not, it's really easy to get caught up in all of that noise and nonsense and to lose perspective on what is truly important, which are the people that are there with you in that moment and the love that you have to be on the field with your teammates throwing a baseball and uh, competing with um, 100% of whatever it is you have that day. And um, I, I promise you that if you focus on, on those things that the overall quality of your life, not just your baseball life, but life in general uh, will, will be better because it helps you appreciate the things that matter and um, to not get caught up in senseless, uh, noise um, and I think sadly that is oftentimes you know people are more interested with like the bumper sticker or the sweatshirt than they are with the you know all the other things that go along with being in a program or at a place where they want to go um, so you know don't don't be seeking the the sweatshirt and the hashtag blessed on twitter be seeking don't eat don't eat the menu eat the lunch I guess would be my mic drop
0: Love it. We're going to have to uh, bring you back to do this again sometime. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: I I appreciate, you know, any chance I get to, to talk with you about the thing that we both love. um, I learned something and I'm grateful for you, my friend. Thank you for all you do to help uh, mentor all of us, really. I mean, I learned something every time I talk to you, so.
0: Thanks for making it to the end of this episode of the KPB podcast. If you find value in our podcast, please help us make it better. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a five-star rating. Write a review. All of that helps us get this information into the hands of those who need it most. We're always beyond excited to get questions. And provide more information, you can reach us by email at keepplayingbaseball@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Our Twitter DMs are open. That's at keepplayingbb. Same is true for our Instagram account. That's at keepplayingbaseball. And Facebook, keepplayingbaseball. We're always excited to help provide you with the information that you need to make educated decisions in the recruiting process and move towards your goal of playing college baseball. Don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything. And we'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, take care.